Greetings and welcome to the Animal Wellness Podcast, the official podcast of Animal Wellness Action. Hi, I'm your host, Joseph Grove. On this show, we talk about animals from the perspective of people who care about them and have the ability to improve their lives by influencing culture and supporting laws and regulations accordingly. To stay up to date with all of our news and information, subscribe to this podcast, receive our free newsletters and more, visit animalwellnessaction.org. I'm joined this week, uh, as always, by Wayne Paselli and Marty Irby. Wayne is the president and founder of Animal Wellness Action. Marty is its executive director and the chief lobbyist in D.C. As is our custom, we'll start off the show by going to Marty to get his view from the Hill. It's the first time we've spoken with him since the inauguration. What's the atmosphere up like uh, there, Marty, and what's going on for animals? Well, things have calmed down a little in Washington, D.C. We only have 5,000 National Guard instead of 25,000 National Guard. But we do have uh, the fences up, and there's still a lot of security here. Um, Not many people around, but I do think it's easing up, and hopefully by mid-March we'll see things uh, back to normal, at least to the level of normal of COVID-19 of 2020. So Um, We're still not able to go into the congressional offices, but we are able to meet with folks in some restaurants. I fortunately was able to meet with the chief of staff for one new member of Congress yesterday in person. Uh, So we're making progress. And we see that uh, we have some people who are really excited about the new legislation we've been talking about introducing, much of which Wayne has conceived, uh, particularly the Animal Cruelty Enforcement or ACE Act, led by Congressman Joe Neguse from Colorado and uh, Mike Braun, the senator from Indiana. That would create an animal cruelty crimes unit at the Department of Justice to enforce all of the pre-existing laws that we've worked to get signed into law and those that date back to the 1960s and 70s with the Animal Welfare Act and Horse Protection Act. We have had a tremendous amount of activity in the press this week on cockfighting. Uh, We saw a bust in Las Vegas uh, about a week ago where 300 roosters were seized. We saw eight arrests in Georgia on Tuesday. Then we saw another 70 roosters seized in Los Angeles County on Wednesday. Last night, uh, two men in Nevada were also convicted on 20 counts of cockfighting related charges. But this was all done on the local level. And we really need the feds to step in and crack down against this cruelty. There are probably uh, dozens of different charges that could be applied on the federal level to what these people are doing, the instruments they were possessing and things of that nature. So we're hopeful that uh, at least the awareness out there will uh, make DOJ pay attention and we'll get some of the congressional delegations from these states where this occurred to co-sponsor the ACE Act and help us push this forward in the 117th Congress. Uh, We're also really excited. We'll soon see the introduction of the Safeguard American Food Exports Act, which is the anti-horse slaughter bill that's been around for many years and passed the U.S. House about 12 or 13 years ago. Uh, But we do see a lot more activity on that front because of all of the wild horse roundups that potentially lead them to slaughter. Uh, The wild horse issue is something that we still hear more about than anything else out there. And Wayne came up with the idea to revive legislation known as the Restoring Our American Mustangs Act, the Rome Act. And we're really excited about that. We're working with the coalition of wild horse groups, animal rescue groups, animal welfare groups, and even the Sierra Club and other environmental groups on that front. So we've got a great broad coalition and really looking forward to uh, a great 117th Congress. We did, I believe, 153 Zoom slash phone meetings in the month of January, Wayne, myself, and a couple of our other colleagues. So that's about a third of the Congress. 
uh, a little less than a third of the Congress. We have a lot more to go, but we're really excited. And I think we've probably gotten the best response we've had at the beginning of a Congress. People want to talk about something other than uh, National Guard and fences and walls and all of the rest of the stuff going on, the, on in the world. So it gives them a topic that they feel like they can engage in and, uh, and help us really effectuate change for the betterment of the lives of these animals. I know President Biden has been busy signing executive orders. Uh, what has he signed, if anything yet, Marty, uh, that will inure to the good of our cause? Wayne, you wanna, why don't you do that? I, there's not really maybe some of the environmental stuff. I think he's really uh, selected some people for key uh, positions that are going to have uh, a big impact on our work. He didn't come in directly with an animal protection agenda with those EOs, except on climate change. He's done a lot on climate change. I, I believe that climate change affects the lives of animals just like it affects the lives of people. So that is, a I think, a very positive uh, set of actions he's taken there. You know, his key appointment to me is Congresswoman Deb Holland from New Mexico. He, she is the interior uh, secretary-to-be. Uh, she has not been confirmed yet. They haven't done the confirmation hearing for her, uh, but she uh, has supported efforts to stop imports of sport-hunted trophies of threatened and endangered species. Uh, she's for the Grizzly Bear Protection Act to stop trophy hunting of grizzlies. She has been across the board a tremendous supporter on that set of issues that she's going to be overseeing as the Interior Secretary. The other key agency for animal welfare is the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and we did see a confirmation hearing for Tom Vilsack, who had the post for, for all eight years of the Obama time. He was a mediocre appointment for uh, animal welfare. He waited until the very end of his eight years to do the Prevent All Soaring Tactics Act rulemaking. Uh, and then he also waited uh, eight years to do an organic rule that applies to animal agriculture that forbids extreme confinement of animals raised under the organic label stops mutilations of the animals. Both of those rules were essentially blocked by the, by the Trump team when they came in. So we're going to get some big stuff done uh, with the new Biden team, I have no doubt, uh, but we haven't yet seen it. We are certainly going to propel a lot of that from our lane at Animal Wellness Action and the Center for Human Economy. Well, it's not like the guy doesn't have a few other things going on. So uh, we'll, we'll give him another we'll give him another couple episodes. One thing, you know, just with mentioning Secretary Vilsack and the soaring regulation, um, I, I just want to make sure that there aren't too many people that get their hopes up out there that he's going to come in and snap his finger and re-implement that soaring regulation. You know, we talked a lot about last fall, the anti-soaring compromise on the past act that we worked on, which ultimately was defeated by several people who were really loud and it was a very small minority. But um, as we've all known that uh, your Senator Mitch McConnell, who was with us on the Horse Racing Integrity Act, has been very much against the PAST Act for many, many years. And I had a conversation back with Secretary Vilsack in 2016 in person when he delayed that regulation. And he said, you know, he said, I promise you I'll get it done before I leave office, but I had to keep Mitch and the boys on the Hill happy. So uh, he fulfilled his promise and did finalize the regulation. It just got rolled back. But I just wanted to mention that because we are still working on the soaring compromise. We are still talking with the walking horse industry. Um, we could potentially revive it. And uh, just wanted to give people an update on the state of affairs in that area. 
If you would ask me before we got onto this show what the number one commercially slaughtered animal was, I would have never said kangaroo, but that is the truth. More kangaroos are slaughtered for commercial purposes than any other mammal in the world. A large part of that slaughter goes into the production of athletic gear and primarily through a company you may have heard of called Nike. Well, we have with us today Gavin Pallone. He is the producer of a new documentary, a very short documentary that illustrates this topic uh, emotionally, vividly, accurately. And one, I think that once you see it, you can find the link in all of our media. Uh, you may have some strong thoughts about it as well. If you're a fan of the Gilmore Girls, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Zombieland movies, a host of other just incredible entertainment products, uh, you will be familiar at least with the work of Gavin Pallone. Uh, you'll also know him from uh, A Dog's Journey, A Dog's Way Home, and A, a Dog's Purpose. So, Obviously, animal issues have been on your heart. You've got a feel for animals. Gavin, tell us what got you into making a documentary about kangaroo slaughter. Uh, Wayne Paselli, <laughs> who, uh, who knows that I'm, <clears throat> I have a, a great sensitivity about animal issues, that I participated in different activism uh, in, over the years. Um, and uh, the, when um, the Center for Humane Economy wanted to get a campaign uh, really charged up and going, uh, it was very smart of him to think, well, we can do this through some, some filmed information um, that could be succinct and get to people. And as a producer, that's pretty much what I do is figure out, you know, how do we put these kinds of things together to get the product that's going to move people in one way or another. And um, when you look at, you know, the, the, the movies that you and shows that you brought up, you know, all cause some kind of reaction with people, which is why they've been popular. But more specifically, the the two dogs purpose movies, as well as A Dog's Way Home, which I, I think is a better example, was one that I found very satisfying to do because it was um, it was a good movie, but also uh, a, a keen bit of propaganda about breed specific legislation against certain types of dogs. And I've, I never had the chance to make a movie where we literally have scenes where people talk about a specific issue and as being wrong. On a more general sense, I think that, you know, when you anthropomorphize animals, which all three of those A Dogs movies uh, do because you hear the voice of them, um, you know, it causes people to think about animals differently. And I think that when I was a kid, um, you know, I watched a lot of movies that, and TV shows that had animals in them. Um, and I think they helped to shape this kind of point of view that animals were sentient and deserving of care and sympathy and that you could connect to them and, and empathize with the wrongs that are meted out against them. And so I think, um, I think that doing this video uh, probably will, you know, has helped for certain people, you know, people like me who are in the United States of America who have no contact with kangaroos, never been to Australia, to, to recognize these animals as being no different than all the animals that we love, including our household pets, and that what is um, taking place in Australia for such an unimportant product is, is an atrocity and has to be stopped. And, um, and after, you know, we, the, the video was just launched a couple days ago, but all the reactions that I get 
um, from my friends was like, I had no idea, you know, and, and I think that that's the key element here uh, is that we're, we're educating people about what is going on and why we need to end it. One of the details I read in the, in the materials was that not only, of course, are the kangaroos themselves uh, as targets of the hunter's guns uh, in danger, but Australian legislation says that the hunter must then examine uh, the, the pouch for any joeys in it and then immediately bludgeon them to death if any are found in there, which I found to be a particularly gruesome detail. It's, it's abhorrent and more. And the one thing I can say, uh, and, I, and at this point I want to interject, that if you go and watch the one minute video, you're not going to see anything that crosses that line. Um, I've, as Wayne well knows, I'm hypersensitive to anything gruesome or anything that's going to stick in my brain for a period of time uh, that I can't handle. And, and so I think I am truly the audience for something like this because um, you know, there are certain people who can take it and there's a, there's a full length documentary that was done in Australia about uh, this particular horror and I can't watch it. The director who I brought in to do it, Derek Ambrosi, who's, a, who's truly a genius and not someone who's connected to anything animals prior to this. Um, he watched it and I think it truly changed his perspective on everything. But he would also say, uh, talk about this thing or this piece of film, which we might want to try to get for our video. And he said, but you can't watch it, Gavin. And, and I can't watch the ASPCA commercials that come on and um, I can't even, you know, I don't even want to hear Sarah McLaughlin on the radio anymore because of, you know, uh, of her fantastic advocacy, but it's just really, I'm too sensitive. And so the topic you just brought up about the bludgeoning of the Joeys, though not in our video, um, is one of the particularly horrific and gruesome aspects of this this terrible thing that that's being perpetrated on the world, really. Wayne, we, we, Nike, of course, is a huge company, uh, and it's easy to use them as kind of a, a cause celeb uh, or a representation of a particular issue. What other manufacturers use uh, leather from kangaroos in this way? Well, it's most of the big athletic shoe companies. These are all companies that we have, patronized as consumers. We all wear athletic shoes. Some are, you know, very uh, specific for a sport, you know, their golf shoes or their basketball shoes or their soccer cleats. Uh, but it's Nike, Adidas, Puma, New Balance, uh, and four or five others. Now, Diodora, which is one of the biggest soccer cleat makers in the world, based in Italy, ended its procurement of kangaroo skins for any of its shoes uh, at the end of 2020. So this is a great advance. Uh, Gavin rightly noted that uh, this is not an essential product, uh, that we already have plenty of models of shoes that are made from fabrics and textiles not derived from animals, certainly not derived from wild animals killed in their native habitats. You know, there are other animal products used in shoes, of course, you know, leather from cows, which is, you know, part of the mix of products that come out of the slaughterhouse industry and the beef industry. But there are also wild animals like alligators and crocodiles, but many of those animals are farmed. This is particularly different that these are animals out in their native habitat. These are dozens of species of kangaroos that live in the Australian outback. 
and they're killed in staggering numbers. And, you know, when I went to Gavin with this, of course, you know, one of the big issues with this entire problem of killing kangaroos for shoes is it's a, a supply chain that for those of us in the United States is, you know, 8,000 or 9,000 miles long. We don't know what is on the other side of that supply chain. These companies do not broadcast that they use kangaroos killed in their native habitats. We buy the product and we enjoy the product and use the product and you know, we wear them out over a year or two and then we buy new shoes. People have no clue. So I thought, my God, we've got to tell the story. So I went to my friend Gavin, who, uh, whom I have known for 15 years. Uh, I've known he's a tremendous animal advocate as you heard from him. He's been starting to incorporate his sensibilities about animals in major feature-length movies, but obviously he's got to do entertainment and then weave some of the animal issues in. In this case, he is putting the animal issues right in the center and then weaving a little entertainment and attracted a great uh, director in Derek Ambrosi who did a fabulous job. I mean, uh, Gavin credits Derek. The two of them really came up. We, we all brainstormed on the concept. Derek. I think, you know, really had a super idea, which was, but then we all discussed it, to rewind the process here, to start with a soccer player uh, kicking a ball uh, in a crowded stadium where people are cheering and they're celebrating this incredible, you know, human uh, action of sport. And then we rewind it those thousands of miles back and go into the outback and see where it comes from. In our day and age, we are so deeply disconnected from what happens to animals. And this short film is a way to really attach understanding to a major sector of our economy, the textile industry, the shoe industry, and say, hey, Nike, Adidas, Puma, stop, stop. You talk about sustainability, you talk about environmental protection, Stop sourcing the killing of wild animals. You know, we don't do this in the United States with buffalo and elk and other animals and then have global distribution of a product that comes from the hides of these animals. We've got to stop here. The nonsense from Australia's government that, oh, there's so many kangaroos that we can do this. They're living beings, as Gavin said. They feel. They are mothers who have babies. Those babies love their mothers. The mothers love the babies. This all just needs to stop. When, why did they choose kangaroos as opposed to, you mentioned cows, for example. What's the economic or the, I don't know, the, the value of the material from a kangaroo that makes this attractive to these companies? Well, the Center for Humane Economy, which is the sister organization to Animal Wellness Action, and while Animal Wellness Action really tries to influence government, the Center for Humane Economy tries to influence business. And we have a dedicated microsite on this. You can see Gavin's a short film on our site, uh, centerforhumaneeconomy.org. You can also see it on our microsite, kangaroosarenotshoes.org. And on that site, we pull together so much information about this issue. And we talk about the history of it. And the great soccer legend, Pele, uh, wore a pair of kangaroo skin shoes around 1970. And it was said that kangaroo skin was strong yet supple, that somehow the ball stayed a tad longer on the foot of the soccer player to have added control. 
I think it's a bit of a myth, but it got going. Um, and with a star like Pele, it just got legs from that point. And it's been part of the supply chain and the product base for soccer cleats. It was a larger set of shoes for different categories of, of sport, but now it really is soccer cleats. And we did the research at the Center for Human Economy and found 72 models that are sold uh, by these major companies. These are global companies. So they're not just sold in the United States, they're sold in Canada and in Germany and China and Australia and Brazil and in South Africa and Kenya. I mean, you're talking about the most popular sport in the world. And if you have just a fraction of the soccer players in the world who buy those 72 models, that adds up to 2 million kangaroos dead a year. It's just an arithmetic equation. X number of shoes bought their made from kangaroos and then they go out and shoot them to harvest them, so to speak, to, to have this supply chain go on. And most people have no clue. And this week, we started the process of shining a light on this cruelty. And it's a light that needs to be shined because they do it in the dark of night in Australia. They do it at midnight, and one and two and three in the morning, and they kill these, these groups of kangaroos, uh, you know, by the, by the dozens every night. And they do it throughout the year and they're aiming for the females for the most part. They, they may kill four or 500,000 joeys who are in the pouch. I mean, they're totally dependent young. So they, they're compounding the damage uh, when they shoot the mothers with their dependent young. There's two points that I, I wanna make. And one is that, you know, even though I, I gotta believe, and I don't know if we have statistics on this, that it's really the minority of soccer shoes that are sold in the world that are K-leather. Um, it's got to be more more expensive than synthetic. I personally am, am a huge consumer of athletic where I run and all synthetics are lighter weight than the actual, than natural materials. Uh, maybe I, I doubt highly that a soccer ball sticks to a shoe longer, but let's say that that's true. There is a part of, of soccer slash football that involves running and you probably run faster with a synthetic material because you have less weight on your feet. But putting all of that aside, this is a tiny fraction of the, glo of the global uh, athletic wear revenue for a company like, like Nike. They don't have any reason to need to do this. If all of a sudden they stopped selling K-leather as they call it, and I'll get back to that, just the fact that they call it K-leather, um, then it would not have any effect on their balance sheet their, or their quarterly profit whatsoever. They can easily do this and they should, and they should do this. Um, but I also want to say that they themselves feel like they must have some vulnerability because I use, I mean, I don't, I don't wear anything, but other than that, other than athletic wear, as well as prior to the pandemic, because I pretty much just wore sweat clothes or a, a maybe if I was going to a meeting, I wear a track suit from one of the major uh, athletic wear companies, mostly Adidas. And, and, uh, and, you know, so I get a lot of emails from them. I'm the person that they market to big spender of their products. And um, I don't know why, but uh, while we were making the video, I got a uh, email from Nike saying, you know, new soccer shoes models are out. I was like, hmm. well, I mean, I would never, I would normally just delete that because I don't, I don't play soccer and I'm not interested, but I looked at it 
And it's all, and the material's only called K hyphen leather. They, that they don't want to actually say this is made from kangaroos. They want people, they first of all want to create this other idea of K leather that maybe people will just buy because it's K leather and probably maybe they'll, they'll digest as it's some form of cow hide that I'm used to wearing anyway. But they, they don't want to say kangaroo because then all of a sudden that's going to put an image in someone's head of an animal that we don't think of as like the kind of thing that we eat or the kind of thing that we wear and that we might have some sympathy for because people do love kangaroos. And so my overall, I think that if we, if we press this issue, make more people aware, get people to sign the petition, get more people to circulate this video, which is really my focus now that we've actually made it and launched it. I think that they're gonna feel very vulnerable and say, hey, like with many other things, we don't need to do this anymore. Um, and, and that's my great hope. And, and why should we, you know, why should we? It's not going, this, it's not like we're gonna be giving up some huge part of our business. Yeah, and I, I think that this is exactly right. I've been working on animal issues for my entire adult life. Uh, Gavin uh, was a supporter of, of efforts to stop the Canadian seal hunt, you know, the killing of these uh, baby harp seals and hooded seals on the ice flows off of Atlantic Canada. This is 10 times bigger, 10 times bigger in terms of the kill, but very few people know about it. And while just about none of us would buy those skins and the fur, from the harp seals. I mean, we're very closely connected to the uh, purchase of these shoes that are made by Nike and Adidas. These are some of the best known brands in the world. How can one of the best known brands or multiple brands so well known get away with this? It's because of ignorance. It's because of concealment. It's because of people not living by their values. And I think what Gavin and Derek have asked people in their short film is to understand and act you know, in a way that is consistent with their values. Why would we want to kill these kangaroos? I mean, they're marsupials, you know, they're the strange and different wildlife of Australia. Uh, there are these animals who can, can run 45 miles an hour. They really hop for, at 45 miles an hour. They're so interesting. Uh, they are so different. They're so unique and we're making them into shoes. I mean, this is what happened in the, in, in the 19th century, you know, 150 years ago, when market hunters killed the bison or the buffalo in the midsection of the North American continent. And we killed them by the millions, and we did it for, you know, products that were going to clothe people in the newly growing cities of the world. That was at a time when the world had many fewer people. Uh, now we have billions of people. And this is the most popular sport in the world, football and Europe and the rest of the world and soccer here in the United States. So we're going to run this campaign. We're going to win this campaign because this, this can't go on. This, this, this consonance when it comes to what we say and what we do as companies. Companies that talk about corporate responsibility like these companies do, and they do a lot of good positive things, Nike and Adidas. Adidas is recycling ocean plastic and making that ocean plastic into shoes. Uh, most of the models of their shoes are now fully vegan. This is a remnant. It's a relic of an earlier era 
in terms of their manufacturing and supply chains. And it also is an earlier era in terms of our current consciousness about how we want to treat animals. Well, there's a great article I'd like to refer your listeners to uh, in the New York Times in mid-December about kangaroos being a social species and how they interact with humans and have evolved to interact with humans. And the, the long and short of it is that kangaroos have behaviors that are very similar to dogs. And no one uh, on the planet would put up with something like this happening to a dog. It's really a um, misinformation campaign by uh, vested interests in Australia that have continued to purport this idea that kangaroos are somehow deserving of being murdered. Um, that they would that that you know nobody would ever say is true of of the animals that we're used to having around us, but yet they are really mentally very very similar, very smart animals. And I and and just putting aside the the whole soccer shoe part of it, I I think it was a fascinating and interesting article about this study of kangaroos, which was in uh, the New York Times around mid December. This is a really important point, Gavin. That that the folks in Australia, the government, and then the industry, the kangaroo leather industry, basically, they have been smearing kangaroos because the way that you advance in the real world this practice, and then you maintain your commercial markets is if you demonize the animals, right? Yes. China has been killing dogs and, and cats for human consumption, and so is South Korea. But one of the ways that China did this was say, oh, the strays are everywhere. They're a danger that they turned this commercial market and this habit of killing and eating these animals into some you know, socially beneficial practice. And the reality is these are native animals on a continent that's nearly as big as the United States. They have 25 million people in Australia. We have 330 million, same physical area, yet, Somehow they can't live with these kangaroos. What, what is it that kangaroos do? Do they kill people? Do they kick them in the head? Do they stomp them? No, they don't do any of that. They're actually among the most benign creatures that exist. And yes, they can achieve you know, some high densities. Uh, they, like any other herbivorous animal, uh, yes, they graze grass. That's what they eat. Uh, but are they going to denude the, the Australian landscape? No, because they evolved with it. And this, this phony argument that somehow, you know, the, the kangaroos are overrunning, you know, the continent is, is really just a bunch of public relations nonsense to clear the way to kill kangaroos for commercial profit, which is- Well, you're also talking about a country that has really overmined, overextracted natural resources, and ha and over grazed with cattle uh, their their wild areas, and that is that's very clear. So you know, if you really want to point to, hey, there's something wrong with uh, the environment here in Australia and what we've done to uh, our territory, I think you'd have to start with the mining industry first, especially given its contribution to global warming and the terrible fires that took place that have to be connected to the same. Now, when um, Marty buys his bowling shoes, for example, I mean, he can see the label made from 100% recycled Dasani water bottles. Uh, when parents take their kids to 
sticks or whatnot uh, for soccer shoes. Is the leather labeled as kangaroo? How how can folks know whether or not they're about to buy a pair of these shoes? It's been frustrating. I have been a label reader for a long time. I've been a vegan, you know, for 35 years. And I read labels in the supermarket and I read labels in the shoe store. And it's really difficult to make heads or, heads or tails of, of, of shoes, but sometimes they call it K-leather, as Gavin said. And most people don't know what K-leather is, and it is a euphemism. It is shorthand, and they don't fully say it's from kangaroos. I mean, and one could really, really think that K-leather is some kind of fake leather, because there are things that are like that, which use the word leather in it, but are saying that it's faux leather or something. The consumer has to be aware, and that's why they can go to kangaroosnotshoes.org. We list every single model. And you know, we also have on our site, it's incredible. There are professional athletic shoe reviewers. There are, it's, uh, there's a, obviously it's a big industry. It's got its own media. It has its own uh, critics and users of the product. These guys are amazing. And several of them have done riffs for us that are on our website that talk about the respective properties of the shoes. And these reviewers, they make an incredible case that this is totally unnecessary. The other shoes are better, as Gavin said, in so many ways. And they can help, you know, the, they can act as guides for us in the marketplace to have us do the right thing. You know, we haven't called for a boycott of Nike or Adidas at this time because they have such, you know, they have such big offerings, so many offerings in so many categories. We've asked them though, come on, you, you say you're committed to the planet and to sustainability. How can you reconcile that view with this kind of supply chain? Right. What about talking with franchises, the various teams, the clubs, universities? Uh, what can our listeners do in terms of reaching out to people in their hometown to make a difference here? Well, I think you're, it's a great comment, Joe. Uh, this is Wayne again. It's so important that people not just leave this up to Gavin or to Marty or to you in order to advance this. We all have a way that we can contribute to this campaign, to our Kangaroos or Not Shoes campaign. Obviously, don't buy those products, number one. But two, sure, if you're a member of a soccer club, say, hey, we're going to issue a statement. We're, we're going to write to Nike and say, you know, get out of this business. We love your company, but we don't love this uh, aspect of what you're doing. And we're going to give you a chance to do better. I think, you know, if folks have a favorite soccer team and they write to that soccer team and say, hey, clear your locker room of these products. Don't ever buy them again. That will have great power. So I think you're really onto something, Joe. All of us have touches. You know, it's one degree or two degrees of separation with with folks and industries and players. Obviously, if you go to Dick's Sporting Goods, go to the manager and say, listen, I understand you're selling kangaroo-based shoes. Shouldn't you, Dick's, which you know did such an important thing on gun issues when gun control issues and mass shootings occurred, you know, why don't you do something on wildlife protection here as well? So I think all of us have a voice and I hope that everyone watches the short film that Gavin and Derek Ambrosi uh, developed and now that we have on multiple platforms. And it won't be enough to just say, oh, that's terrible. Now you've got to act. 
you got to do something. And those are really good things that people can do. One other thing they can do is write to their lawmakers in Congress. Uh, we uh, have just seen the introduction for the first time ever of the Kangaroo Protection Act coming right on the heels of Gavin's film. Lawmakers decided they're going to introduce legislation in the Congress to stop this, to forbid any sale of kangaroo parts in the United States. That means no athletic shoes, no handbags, no nothing. And that is because we, as, as a nation, we don't, we don't kill native wildlife and then put them into a supply chain for a co common commercial product. So this is really at odds with our contemporary traditions on wildlife management in the United States. So this is another thing. You can write to your two US senators and you can write to your US representative. We'll have action alerts on all of our sites to make it easy for you. And one thing you can do is share that. If you get 10 other people to write to lawmakers on this issue, that will have an incredible impact. We can get this legislation done in the 117th Congress. Gavin, any final comments, thoughts, remarks on what you saw when you were producing this film and how you've changed perhaps in your thinking after it? Well, I mean, I, I don't think I fully understood how horrible it was. And I don't fully, I, I don't think I understood the vastness of this. As Wayne said, I was very activated and donated a lot of money over the years about to the seal hunt in Canada. And uh, that was very similar in the way that people didn't really know about it. It's a hard thing to even, you know, put out there because it's so awful and brutal. But I spent a lot of time in Canada, probably worked in Canada more than I've worked anywhere. And every time I'd be on a set, something would come up where give me an opportunity to say, well, I don't understand why your government continues to subsidize this, this terrible thing. And they said, are they still doing that? You know, people in Canada who pay for it because there is no commercial viability to harp seal pelts, but yet it goes on every year. Didn't realize their tax dollars and tax rates are very high in Canada go towards clubbing baby seals so that the pelts could then be taken and put in a warehouse to be sold nowhere. And so I think what I really take away from this is that this, this activity is just, as Wayne said, been kept from the public eye. And that's the only reason why it continues. There's many things like that, many wrong, wrong things. And I think feel, I'm starting to feel better about the world, strangely, I, 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 since, uh, since uh, early November. And I think that if we expose more of these kinds of things that are going on in places like Australia and continue to hit you know, the issue about the Canadian, you know, harp seal hunt and many others that Wayne has activated on and been a long time, you know, proponent of and activist for, I think that we're going to have a better world. You know, I think that if we live in a world where, and again, our video does not show the brutality of it, you could investigate it on your own, but take my word for it. This is something you would never want to witness, even on film. But if we live in a world where those things are allowed to go on, what kind of people are we creating? What kind of culture are we forwarding into the future? And what is that going to mean in terms of, you know, the brutality that we wage against each other that we see every day on the news? I think there's a direct connection to how we treat animals and how we treat people. You know, I don't think it's a, it's a mystery that this goes on in Australia. And I've gotten a lot of very negative tweets from people in Australia talking about vermin and 
how the culling is a is a, be- a good thing to do and and on and on a lot of things that, that Wayne mentioned. And you know, there's that when you give up your humanity and you do inhumane things, you know, that connects back to a little over a hundred years ago when it, there was state-sponsored killing of the Aboriginal people in Australia. We have to let go of the evil past. I think we have a terrible evil past here in this in this country. And I, I'm moved by the fact that we're all collectively starting to acknowledge some of the really awful things that took place in the not so distant future past and, and in the more distant past, and that we're gonna create a better culture and a better life for the people who are going to live in this country in the future. And I, I, I think it's all connected and super important. So that's what I would probably take away from this experience and my own thinking and my, my desire to continue you know, making videos like this, working with Wayne, so that these terrible things will end. And I think this one, and I want to say this to all the people out there who are going to watch the video and I hope sign the petition, this is the low-hanging fruit. Nike doesn't care about this segment of their business. Adidas doesn't either. Puma doesn't either. New Balance, you know, the the soccer shoes that are made from K-leather compared to their running shoe, you know, business, which is gigantic, they can give this up easily. All we got to do is start circulating this video, talking to our friends, getting people to sign the petition. And this is going to end in the short term. Many other animal issues that I feel a strong connection to, that I talk to Wayne about all the time, are, are much harder to, to take care of than this one. So let's get a big win here and use the momentum of that to go after other things that have been around for a long period of time and have in these entrenched in- interests who will not want to let go in the way that I think Nike, Adidas, and Puma will let go. Well, well, thank you for taking the steps further forward as we walk toward a goal for a more humane world. So uh, fascinating conversation, terrible, but but important topic for sure. Thank you. Wayne, Marty, any final thoughts from you, uh, good folks? I really wanted to thank Gavin, number one, for making this film. It's terrific, but also for utilizing his contacts like Leah Thompson and Zoe Deutsch and Ricky Jarvis and celebrities who are amplifying this message because that is what it takes to help us get something through Congress. And what I hope is that we get a phone call or an email with Nike's lobbyists here in D.C. wanting to talk with us and figure out how to work this out so we can just eradicate this completely. And it's going to take everybody really amplifying that message to do so. So I'd encourage everyone to retweet, check out our Twitter accounts at AW Action News and at the Humane Center. And please follow those accounts, retweet our tweets, and uh, thanks again, Gavin, for being here today. I think that's a good point to end our, our, our episode here, Joe, that really our work requires multi-channel change. You know, we're working in the lawmaking sphere to pass laws. We're pressuring corporations directly to do the right thing. We're tapping uh, uh, artists and, and filmmakers and television producers to use their talents to illuminate these issues and to call people to act and it's that you know multiple set of tools that is going to be the secret to success so i'm really excited about this campaign and i am so grateful to gavin falone and to derek ambrosi for taking this on you know gavin not only obviously didn't take a a penny for this he was he's a donor um and and he's been using his talents in the film and television industry to have them you know, send out the film to their millions of followers. So it's been great to see. Gavin, I can't thank you enough. Honestly, you're just spectacular. 
Folks, thanks. Uh, I really appreciate it. That was a fascinating conversation, and we will encourage our listeners to go to animalwellnessaction.org where they can find more information and links to everything we've talked about uh, today. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to visit that website for all of our news and information and to sign up for our news alerts. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and we invite you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or Spotify. I'm your host, Joseph Grove, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Animal Wellness Podcast.